Welcome back to the Tin Man Podcast. I'm Chris Tinius, and I'm very happy about the next two stories I get to share with you. Spending so much of my life in athletics, especially in the world of women's soccer, I was fortunate to work with, meet, and be influenced by hundreds of strong, accomplished women. The opportunity to share some of their experiences and successes is something I want to be a part of this podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Allie Trutman. Allie is an entrepreneur that started a business out of her living room and 15 years later is still moving forward and advancing her brand. Wicked Sheets is about to expand even further, and I'm thrilled to be able to give you a snapshot of Allie's story. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Tin Man Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Tinius. I'm joined today um, by Allie Trutman, a friend of mine for quite some time now. She is the owner, president, CEO, HBIC, anything anything you want to want to call it she's in charge of everything um with wicked sheets a company that that she started and um has done quite well with and um i want to welcome her to the podcast and thank her for joining us and before we go any further also wish her a happy birthday thank you so much and i'm so happy to join i've been listening to all your podcasts not only do you have incredible guests but i just love the stories that you're drawing out of everybody so i'm so happy to be with you today and, and talk to you a little bit about everything. <laughs> All right. Sounds, sounds great. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you. Listen, I've been very fortunate to have, um, have some people buy into this very quickly. And that, that was kind of the whole goal of it was, you know, I've, I was in soccer for so long and, um, I got out of it and I was like, man, I, I know all these cool people that I've met along the way and, and let's get them on and talk a little bit. So, um, yeah, That's so we'll, it's great what we'll, you're doing. we'll start here. Um, and and let you tell us a little bit, um, I guess, just about your personal background. Um, you know, I've I first met you, uh, I guess it was probably 2003 or 2004. I had just finished school at Western and came up here to start doing a little coaching. And you were finishing playing soccer at Bellarmine. Um, we've kind of stayed in touch over the years. But just a little bit of your your background um, about how you got to Bellarmine and, and Louisville and, and even before you got into this business. Sure, absolutely. So um, I'm actually a small town Southern Illinois girl. And um, like a lot of folks or kids that grow up in farm towns, we had to get creative with the things that we did to keep us occupied because malls and fast food and everything weren't uh, weren't near or accessible to us. So I was an outside kid outside all the time. And I grew up uh, with an older brother, four years older, and lived on a block with six boys. So I was outside playing sports all the time. (laughs) We were either in corn stalks or in creeks or we were building dirt mounds. Um, And of course, I was the bratty little sister that always wanted to be with my older brother and his friends. And they got into baseball and then eventually soccer. And I played on an all boys soccer team growing up from when I was five years old and there was only one other girl on the team with me and she's still one of my very best friends and lives in Southern Illinois still. But, um, you know, it's, it's amazing that my roots and my hometown have shaped everything that I'm doing in my adult life. So, you know, being adventurous, hanging out with the dudes, quote unquote, the dudes. (laughs) And when I tell you a little bit about my career, which is mainly masculine dominant, um, in manufacturing and textiles and all that stuff and entrepreneurism, but, um, I, I just, I had to learn to be creative and 
uh, growing up in a small town, you always wonder what is in that big world outside of where you are. And sure. to me, it was Louisville, Kentucky. So I went on some recruiting visits and visited Chicago, um, visited a couple other cities and fell in love with Louisville and Bellarmine, of course. And my best friend also came with me here to play the first semester. She ended up leaving, sadly, but um, I just fell in love with the school and the community. And I've been in Louisville ever since. So it's been a, an interesting journey. And Bellarmine led me to child psychology at first, which... Um, Sadly, I tore my ACL while I was playing indoor soccer. I think we we met like a couple of years before that happened, maybe, and um, and had to pivot my career from child psychology, and that's how I became an entrepreneur. So all things have led me to where I am right now, and I uh, I just try and embrace every moment. Yeah, well, that, that's awesome, and and embrace it you have. Um, tell us a little bit about Wicked Sheets and how. Um, how it got started. You know, I, one of the things I kind of wrote down here is a lot of people have ideas, fewer people have good ideas, and then very few people actually follow through on their good ideas. Um, but you have kind of taken yours and, and run with it. Um, and just give us a little bit of the backstory about how it all got off the ground. Sure. Well, I love that quote. It actually just gave me chills because there are days when you're an entrepreneur and you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, and in fact, I just had my 15 year anniversary of starting Wicked Sheets. So when I was 24, um, as I mentioned, I was playing indoor soccer with the boys on a little co-ed team on Sunday nights. And um, like most women do, I was on my period and tore my ACL. So um, I was bedridden and I opted for that surgery where they use your own tissue. So my rehab was quite a bit longer than had I done cadaver tissue. So um, what I was experiencing was an increased like awareness of the night sweats. I apparently have had my whole life, but when you're laying in bed all the time and not sleeping and uncomfortable, no matter what, I had all this heightened awareness to my night sweats and what was actually going on with my body. So Chalking it up to, oh, I'm on pain pills or whatever. I actually stopped taking pain medication and the night sweats didn't stop. And I was like, something's going on. So I talked to my doctor and got diagnosed with what they call hyperhidrosis. Turns out three to 4% of the global population have it. Some people get really sweaty palms, really sweaty pits. Some people get boob sweat. Some people get, um, can I cuss on the show? They get swamped. The A word. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's um, fine. Yes. I think we all know what you're talking about. Okay, good. Yeah. And mine comes in the form of night sweats. So like my body will sweat, you know, like normal during the day. But at night when I shut down, that's when my body kind of resets and rehabilitates. So I noticed it and I just kept thinking these cotton sheets are uncomfortable. They're wet. There's got to be something better on the market. So I did some research and this was 2008. So there wasn't a lot of like e-commerce presence. So, you know, I'm looking at Bed Bath & Beyond and Target and stuff like that. And I don't see any options for night sweats and sheets. And that actually led me to a really awesome blogging opportunity because nobody was talking about it. It was like so passe, like I can't talk about my sweat at night. Right. So I started thinking about it from the soccer perspective of what have I been wearing my whole life to wick away sweat while I'm playing sports, Under Armour, Nike Dry Fit, Adidas Climacool, all that stuff, and figured out that thankfully I was blessed with the gift of gab, pick up the phone and find out where that material comes from. 
So I, I found a group in Portland, Oregon that was getting discontinued Under Armour. And um, it would basically be like if orange was their fall color, they would have orange in the summer, really cheap and available in rolls that they could ship, ship to me. So I was living in a one bedroom apartment in St. Matthews at the time and had these rolls of fabric shipped to my apartment, moved all the furniture out of my living room, started rolling the rolls of fabric out and cutting it to size. I would wear like volleyball knee pads and a tool belt and cut it with hand, like hand cut it with scissors. And then I'm like, oh, really important fact here is I don't know how to sew. So what am I going to do? That could be a problem. Yeah. So again, going back to 2008, I would not do this or encourage this. I, now, but I went on Craigslist and found three sewers like locally who had been experts or listed as experts in sewing um, draperies and like other fine materials. And my favorite one, and she was actually the best sewer. She was, uh, her fine materials were silks for the stripper outfits for the thoroughbred lounges that she would sew <laughs> outfits for. And I was like, I can't believe I'm making a hire like this, but sounds like you're a professional. Hey, if you know what you're so, doing, you know what you're doing. Exactly. She was don't, so don't mind me. Like, I got a. Um, don't mind me, Allie. I've got a, my the automatic lights in here just went out, so I'm gonna stand up and wave my arms for a second. You just keep on going. You're not, you're not signaling that there's a fire or something. No, no, you're you're good. I'm not trying to stop you. You keep going. Okay. Yeah. So I hired these three folks off of um, Craigslist and they were fantastic. I would cut fabric in the evening because I still had a full-time job as a therapist. And then I was also a personal trainer. And then I would drop the fabric off and pick it up three times a week from three of the different locations. And I was starting to sell this stuff online. I, I bartered a set of sheets and 300 bucks for a website from the guy that did the Louisville Zoo's original website. His wife was going through menopause and I was like, she'll love these sheets. If you build this website, like, you know, I'll give you a set of sheets and 300 bucks. So that's how I like cut my teeth on being an entrepreneur. I asked it a lot of questions. I bartered my way through it. I was not afraid to pick up the phone and dial and figure out who um, I needed to talk to next. But then I realized like, Oh my you know, my $12,000 has run out. What do I need to do now? And that's when I started actually fundraising and getting into like the nitty gritty financials and, and what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Cause okay. a lot of people just stop then they're like, Oh, th- I built this thing. Now what do I do? And I had then quit my job as a therapist for kids with autism and was getting ready to go fully into it. So I had to figure out the, the next chapter of Wicked Sheets. That's how it all started. Again, we're here with Allie Trutman um, from Wicked Sheets, and we've got a little bit of background on on how the whole venture got started. Um, So I guess it's fair to say you're not still cutting fabric in your apartment. Um, So what (laughs) kind of the the evolution here, what do things look like now with your production and number of employees and those type of things? We'll be right back. If you are enjoying this episode, the entire 10-man podcast catalog is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and most other places where you find your favorite podcasts. We can also be found on YouTube. Subscribe to the 10-man podcast and never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, um, fast forward. So we just celebrated our 15-year anniversary and we are announcing that we're actually becoming wicked technologies so 
Like a lot of people, my business model changed significantly during the pandemic. We um, now have a proprietary fabric that instead of ordering from, you know, discontinued Under Armour from Oregon, I have my own factory in Taiwan where we've been making and engineering our own fabric. And during the pandemic, that changed significantly. I don't know if you saw any of the, um, you know, I think it was like 60 Minutes and Datelines and all that stuff where they were showing video footage of the coasts of Long Beach and LA where boats and crate, you know, ships were sitting on the water. And, well, and our containers fabrics, stacked and stacked and stacked. Yep. Exactly. Our fabric was in that one of those containers for three months. So when you are reliant upon customer sales and shipping a product to a customer who has been trained now by Amazon that your package should arrive in 24 hours, we had to pivot on a dime because we had a staff then of um, six cut and sew people. And we also had a group in China that was making some of our, um, our, our wholesale stuff. I was on QVC in 2018. So we, I flew over to China and, and opened a small factory over there with a, another woman that was my age. She ran a family, um, cut and sew factory. It was fantastic. But when you have no access to your product and no access to your supplies, you got to figure out what to do, um, to keep your people paid. So, we did a quick little pivot to making face masks like a lot of companies did. And mm -hmm. thankfully, we were first to market in a lot of ways. We got a, a government contract with the National Guard. We got some other local pretty big government contracts. And that put me into the government system. And in most cases, it takes like two years to get onboarded in procurement systems. But we were able to expedite that process. So I got into the system and I started getting these emails and learning about um, grant opportunities through government funded agencies. And I had been working on um, a incontinence pad of all things when my grandmother was suffering from incontinence in 2017. And I had enough supplies and scrap to keep working on that during COVID and started reading more and more about SBIR grants and phase ones and getting funding from the government to research products that you're working on as a small business. So I got a wild hair and I said, well, while we're doing masks, I'm going to apply for this um, this grant and see if we can't get some funding to do some research on incontinence pads using our Wicked Sheets fabric. And fast forward about a year and a half, we scored really well on the first one. And then we got asked to resubmit with a couple of changes because we were using a very vulnerable population, folks with memory issues and dementia and Alzheimer's. So I resubmitted and, and was awarded the grant. So we've actually fully pivoted into focusing on these incontinence pads. They're called the Wicked Smart Pad. They are the first ever uh, washable, reusable, sensorized pad that uses Wicked Sheets as a topper. And there are two other layers that are absorbent. And there's a sensor inside that as soon as moisture hits that sensor, it actually sends an alert to the dashboard of your choice. So we're doing a pilot with a senior living facility in New York right now, and it sends it to their iPhones. We also have one that's going on that's sending to their iPads, so like a nurse's station to their iPads, and it'll alert you with, um, in under five minutes, and actually it's like 10 seconds, but in under five minutes, we can guarantee we will tell you if there's been even an ounce of uh, spill or moisture on the pad. So. Wow. With, yeah, with that, we figured out that we needed to really kind of like develop a parent 
brand to house Wicked Sheets and the Wicked Smart Pad and our Wicked Little Sleepers line for kids. So now Wicked Technologies has been born and I'm hitting the fundraising trail again and raising um, a little over a million and a half dollars to rebuild the tech team because I have okay. all these sewers, but now I need technology people and that's totally new for me. So lots well, that, going on over at Wicked Technologies. That's awesome. Congratulations on all that. And I think it's... um it's cool too. Cause again, I said earlier, you know, a lot of people have an idea and maybe they start with the sheets and, and that's where they end. But, um, you know, you've just got that spirit about you that, okay, how can we take another step? How can we make this better? And, and what's the next thing that we can do? Um, and Thanks. you know, I, I think, you know, um, this, I guess it's kind of a leading question just cause of some of our sports ties, but, um, you know, all the things required of you to be a competitive athlete, a student athlete, um, how, how have those traits paid off, um, in this journey with wicked sheets, wicked technology? You know, thinking, Sorry. Yeah, no, you're great. You call it whichever. Um, I've been thinking actually a lot about, uh, sports recently because I, I have a, a 14 month old and he is ball, 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 ball. Everything's ball. And of course I have soccer balls all over our house. And I'm thinking about how sports impacted me and like my personality and stuff and what I can instill in him. And it's been fascinating because um, I perform, I'm going to use the term perform better when I have a couple of things going on. So I was always a better student when I was in season and had double sessions because I had to prioritize um, you know, I had to prioritize getting the paper done or getting the project worked on and seeing my family and cutting out time for work and friends. So I always have done better and performed better when I'm under a little bit of pressure, especially like right now fundraising. I've got to focus my mornings on being creative, my afternoons on outreach and my evenings on being at home. You know, it's just mm -hmm. it, fo it, it uh, forces you to focus. And then the other thing is. Um, in terms of coaching, which Chris, I know you're a fantastic coach and you've instilled this in a lot of your, um, uh, your athletes, it is not being afraid to have a tough conversation when you need to work on something. So I've always learned that you need to staff your weaknesses. So, okay, I'm not great at math, so I'll, so I'll get a CFO, but I have to be able to admit that I'm not great at math and ask for help. Right. So taking constructive feedback from your coaches, it's just like, you know, me and Tim Chastanay, try you're, you know, what, you're not running fast enough. What's going on you're not working on your fitness. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's self-reflection. It's change it up and don't be offended when they're giving you critiques. It's to help. It's like to move the full, the needle forward. So right. I think coaching is one big thing and then really being forced to prioritize when you've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So those are the two biggest things that sports have always helped me with. Yeah, no, th those are great. Yeah. It's always funny. People would ask me, um, you know, being a fall sport in college, um, if you were worried about the freshman coming in and their time management. And my answer was always, sometimes they're going to be overwhelmed that first semester, but I was never worried about grades and that kind of stuff in the fall because everything, like you said, it, it was, it was kind of prioritized and this is all the time you have to do it. I was always much more worried about them their first spring of the freshman year. Yes. Right? When, <laughs> when they have all the free time on their hands, are there, are they still going to stay as focused and keeping those things prioritized? That was always the, the bigger issue for sure. That's, that's so funny, Chris. That's when my GPA dropped as well. <laughs> no way. I, I can't, I can't believe that for a second. Funny yeah, how that works what? out. 
what? I don't have to, I, don't, I can be hungover and not have to play in a game. Okay. I think I'll drink instead of studying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's uh, the age old, the age old cycle um, for fall yep. sport athletes in college. So. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we'll, we'll just do a couple more minutes here. Cause I know um, you've got some other engagements today. So again, I, you know, that busy schedule you're talking about, I appreciate you squeezing in some time for us here, but um, yeah, I love one, it. one of the questions I was going to ask about was how the pandemic affected your product. And you already kind of mentioned that. And I know that's um, that probably got the ball rolling on some of these other ideas of how do we continue to expand um, with, with this shift to wicked technologies. Um, you know, how, how long of a process, obviously you've already started into it. Um, but how much, how much more is there as far as, like you said, onboarding new employees? Um, you know, is there, is there extra, I don't know if you guys, if they're kind of work from home or extra office space or how, how do you handle all that? Yeah, it has actually been, I'll say smooth, but I think it's because I've lived through, um, so much tumultuous, like turnover and, and all the stuff through the pandemic because you never know, like, am I going to make payroll for all six of these people? And at one point we had 11 people, but now that Wicked Technologies has changed, we actually got to decrease our amount of sewing staff and increase the finance operations, like the business side of things. So what I loved about Wicked Sheets and doing the e-commerce and the sewing and all that stuff, um, I still get to do a little bit of that, but now I'm challenging my brain in a totally different way. So it's fun and invigorating and all that daunting stuff like the onboarding and the HR and the, we got to get you set up in gusto, our payroll system and all that. It, it seems like a natural part of the process and it's like worth it because you still get to do some fun stuff, but then you're getting challenged. So I'm just getting pushed out of my comfort zone a little bit. The most um, surprising thing though, is like all of the little legalities. So like changing your name. We just did a DBA. So Wicked Cheats will always exist because that's what's registered with the government. But we did like a doing business as Wicked Technologies. And now like you just, it's like if you, when you change your name, when you get married, you have to go and look at every place where Wicked Sheets was written and go in and change that. It's like the little tiny stuff that is the, the like thorn in my side during the day. And that's, what's taking long, just the little stuff, the big stuff okay. is happening. I feel like at a good pace, but um, you know, there's nothing like slowing an entrepreneur down with tedious details. My buddy and I call it shmeetails. We're like, Oh, shmeetails. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you, again, you've got, you've got a big picture view with all the ideas and, but yeah, I mean, the details, I think that's in, in any part of life, the details get you, but if you don't take care of them, then the big picture ideas aren't going to come to fruition. Exactly. Exactly. Might not like it. Got to do it. <laughs> Got to do it. Exactly. Well, no, Allie, um, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, um, you know, it's, there are, um, certain people along the way that whether you meet them for a day or know them for years, you just kind of know there's something about them. They're going to be successful. And, and you're one of those people. And I look forward to watching what you do next and have been proud to, uh, to follow what you've been doing. And, um, again, thanks for taking the time to join me. Absolutely. Thank you. And hats off to you on all the athletes lives that you've changed over the years. You, you have no idea 
and maybe you do, but as you get older, as you're an older athlete, I'm sure you feel the same way. I hold my coaches from when I was teeny tiny near and dear to my heart. So keep um, teaching and coaching with love and you're going to affect so many lives. So I appreciate the time today, Chris. No, I appreciate it. And, um, and, and a little, I get, well, not really shameless plug because I'm doing it for you, but we've, we've got some wicked sheets. Um, my wife and I don't know, I hope I don't get slapped for sharing this, but, um, it's one of those where we will go to sleep with every fan on and it's like, we're playing freeze out and I'm trying to get bundled up, but she will constantly tell me how hot she is. Um, but yeah, that, that was, a Chris, that was a Christmas <laughs> present a few years ago. Uh, we're, we're some wicked sheets and, and that's what we're sleeping on now. And, um, and we love them. So hopefully, uh, if, if you are listening and you need to check out some new product, give this a try and, and check out what Allie's been doing because she's doing a great job. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll um, get you back on at some point in the future and you can give us some updates on on how all this, uh, how all the changes are going. And I'm sure maybe next time we talk a little more soccer or something else along the way too. Perfect. That sounds great. All right. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed Allie's story and learning a little bit about Wicked Sheets, soon-to-be Wicked Technologies. It takes a special person to start anything from scratch, stick the course, find success, and still strive for something more. Like many intelligent, strong women, Allie Trutman is blazing her own trail and making an impact on people around her. I look forward to being able to share more stories like this in the future. As has been the case with many of my guests, Allie is working on her dream. As I try to make Springsteen fans of everyone, Go back and listen to Working on a Dream if you haven't already. Everyone can use that reminder from time to time to chase their dream. Thanks for listening to the 10 Man Podcast.